Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Daily Roto Going for the Green Daily Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by my friend, Colin Drew, coming off of the Masters Week. The bot, Hideki Matsuyama, wins. Wins coming in in terrible form. And I've probably bet Colin Hideki at a major championship, oh, I don't know, five times six times seven times i mean because he's always at a good number data golf always loves him you know was it was it a tilting experience for you to watch hideki win no it wasn't too tilting i thought it was pretty cool but um yeah i mean i guess i was more tilted you ended up getting a little bit of drama on sunday but uh saturday it was looking like we were going to have a pretty interesting leaderboard and then hideki just i mean played so well that he started off so far ahead and, you know, Xander kind of collapsed early before rallying. And so it just never ended up being quite as drama filled as I was hoping we might get. Yeah. Um, I, I think that, I think that seems, um, that seems about right. I, I yeah, really, that, that was cool. I would say like generally seeing how happy Hideki was, was pretty cool. And then, you know, his caddy bowing to the course was pretty cool too. So I thought those were two moments that, you know, will, will last, you know, with him and his master's legacy, which was sweet. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, him torching the course on Saturday is just one of those. It kind of, honestly, I don't want to put this evil on him, but it was kind of Spiefian where he made birdies when he missed the fairway. Right. Uh, just, you know, had a couple incredible shots where you're like, there's no way he escapes from this obviously ran hot with the putter. Um, it, it was kind of wild though where Justin Rose minus seven on shoots the, the 65 on Monday or on, on Thursday plays even par and is still sitting there, you know, drawing lot. Basically if Hideki doesn't have that nuclear round, I think Rose because uh, Rose's style of golf is just so conducive to, you know, grinding out two under par or whatever. I, I think that had Hideki not had that nuclear round, we would have been considering him, you know, in, in the running, but I, I really wish Zalatoris would have gotten there. It would have been very cool. Yeah, it definitely would have been cool, especially with, you know, Nelson giving us a little inside baseball tip on backing yep. him and why the first time narrative may not apply to him. So that was definitely one of the cool stories and seems like a pretty awesome dude as well. Um, usually we get a weak field at the RBC heritage at Harbor town, but not this year. It seems like maybe because so many skipped the Texas event before this, it seems like we've got you know, not the best names, but we've got a pretty solid field, at least like 15 to 20 players that are, you know, elite players in the world. So I'm excited for, for Harbor town, always a little bit of randomness to the event, but a decent field this week. Yeah. Um, so just help me make sense of this. I don't have any filters on, I don't think on data golf right now. Why, why is Dustin Johnson coming in as a negative value? Like, have you, have you looked into this at all? I mean, is it just because he, he played so poorly last week? Like what, what is the deal going on here? Well, so pricing um, is one thing, yeah. obviously talking about value, but data golf does have him straight up um, worse than Webb Simpson, I believe this week. And a big part of that is just the course fit. So, so much of DJ's benefit is from driving distance and, um, you're just not getting that this week. And so if you actually look at the course fit adjustment, uh, DJ and Wyndham Clark have the biggest negative course fit adjustments. And it's not quite half a stroke, but it's it's closer to half a stroke than it is a quarter of a stroke. And so, you know, even though DJ's baseline is still the best player in the field, that's enough to kind of nuke him as far as being a dominant player and kind of put him closer to the 
the pack of these like medium length, slightly more accurate players. So do you, and now, now this is the early projected ownership. Do you feel like this 13, 14, 15% number for DJ holds? Do you think more people do actually opt for playing Cantlay, for so, playing Webb, for playing Morikawa? Yeah, def- I definitely think so. And we've seen, I'm, I can't remember the, um, like DJ when we saw him here last, uh, I don't have the, the course history right in front of me, but you know, we do see Rory. I like have fond memories of like touting Rory at this event. Cause he's going to go off at 10% ownership. And so I do think this week that people will kind of pass on the top end expensive names in favor of kind of a bit of a more balanced roster build. Yeah. Uh, I got to just say course fit or not projection or not Dustin Johnson at 12, 13, 14, 15%. That uh, just looks like an absolute jam to me. Uh, you know, con- considering that Cantlay, Webb, and Morikawa are, uh, and, and Cameron Smith are the other guys above 10K. I mean, he just, he, he looks like a total steal to me at this projected ownership. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. You know, the, the course fit is definitely really extreme. And so, um, you know, the course being narrow, shorter course, definitely a second shot golf course. So you see driving accuracy matter more than the average course driving distance matters way, way less. And it doesn't even feel like there are quite as many like cheat holes where you can perhaps take advantage of it creatively. And, and then putting and approach also matter a little bit less. Um, so, you know, both of those are like the putting and approach are a bit more random this week, I guess, than they are other weeks. And so I think in general, what you're seeing this week is that we're not going to be surprised if a long shot wins or is in contention, even though we do have a better field than we normally do. Um, it is definitely a course that can be more random and then takes away one of the biggest weapons from like some of the guys that we view as top end players. Yeah. Um, so I guess, I guess that means jam web, jam, jam web in at 30% ownership and, and let the, let the chalk get there. What I mean, Webb's ownership seems a little crazy, but, uh, I mean, I, I get it. Like he's got one of the strongest course histories here as well, but he's not coming in in great form, like barely gained strokes T green at Augusta lost him at the players. He's really only had one good event this year, T green at WGC workday and the rest of it's been short game. So. I mean, Webb's a, Webb's a good player, but kind of at almost the same price, it feels like a really good course for Colin Morikawa. And like, he's been a lot more consistent tee to green. Like you think about precision accuracy, that's Morikawa. And so feels like the type of course that he can do really well at. So I, I like him. Yeah. Um, Willie Z, we buy in, we buy. I, I got to say he made pretty much a lifelong fan out of me with the way he handled that golf course. Um, he is sandwiched in between two guys, Daniel Berger and Terrell Hatton, who we expect to just gather up a ton of ownership. And then Corey Connors as well, who just seems like he just, no matter what he's priced, it seems like Corey Connors is going to be 15% owned every week until his form dips. Yeah, it's definitely a weird one. I feel like Zalatoris and Corey Connors almost in the same bucket as far as this week, how I'm thinking about them, because you're definitely like those guys gain strokes off the tee consistently. And it's a lot of them. And it's definitely with, you know, accuracy, but distance as well. And um, it feels like a weird week where that stuff doesn't matter quite as much, but obviously you still want to be good off the tee and they've been dialed in on approach as well. So I like, it doesn't feel like it should be the perfect course fit for them, but I still think they're playing enough in the categories where it matters that they're still solid plays this week. And Berger's one of the best plays on the slate as well, just purely from a value perspective. I think we can 
kind of overlook a mediocre performance at a bomber's track in Augusta. Um, and a course like this should set up well for him. But uh, those are the, the guys that jump out. I was also pretty surprised that Paul Casey was kind of still as low owned as he was because he was, you know, the most popular, one of the most popular players at Augusta and, you know, definitely played well enough that I, I thought we might see a higher price on him this week. Uh, it might it might finally be a week where Matthew Fitzpatrick is owned enough for us to not get leverage on him relative to the field we have him projected for like 17% ownership right now. And if that and I know that this is like the course fit, like this is like the course where Matthew Fitzpatrick has like his game perfectly lined up, not too long. You have WCT. to be super accurate. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just all set up here for Fitzpatrick, but for example, Fitzpatrick at 17% versus Sungjae at 8 or even negative course fit. Tom, I mean, Tommy Tommy Fleetwood at 4%, 5%. I mean, I course fit or not, he he just looks like a jam to me. Yeah. Yeah, Fleetwood, I mean, he was definitely what he had the ace last week. He was playing pretty poorly coming into last week's event and so yeah. I think did a little bit better than expected. Um but the projection just still has him as a pretty poor value, even taking into account that ownership. It seems like if I was going to pivot there and maybe he'll tick up a little bit before the week goes on, but I think I would pivot to Sungjae just because it does seem like answer Brian Harmon, Matthew Fitzpatrick, perhaps are going to suck up a lot of the ownership. And I think Sungjae is a better play than Fleetwood, even if he's a, a few percent more at that point, they're both still single digits. And I prefer Sungjae. Yeah. Um, all right, continuing through some of the other great Brian Harmon is uh, is the projections love Brian Harmon, the projections love Harris English, the projections love Billy Horschel. I mean, this is the, honestly, I just shouldn't even play this week because it's just it's all accuracy, short game, like putting. Like they, it's just got like guys I want to play are all rating out so poorly relative yeah. to where I mean, they normally is, do. This is the house that Jim Furyk built, right? So it's definitely a of course, and um, you're going to see that. I, I do still think that like things are over gravitating towards some of the accuracy guys, and especially when you're looking at you know the top 20 guys, like they're all fine, right? They can all play in any course, even if it's a slightly bad course fit. Yeah. Um, all right. Next range of guys sitting here in the 8,000s, the 7,000s. All right, you you got to pick one guy: Horschel, Na, Kucher, Henley. And I'll throw Kevin Kisner in there as well. Just kind of that 7.7 to 8.2 range. Bunch of guys showing his massive values on uh, on data golf there. Where are you going? Yeah, I mean, I'm just like the cop out answer. Horschel, the most expensive, but easily the lowest owned. And those other guys are all looking like somewhere between like 11 and 15%. Kisner right now is projecting for 20 just because of the, the Sea Island Mafia narrative stuff. But um, I think they'll all end up kind of in that like 13 to 16% range and Horschel seems like he's kind of a lock for single digits. Yeah. So if Horschel is a lock for single digits, I am, uh, I'm going to be playing him, especially because people just watched him donk around in the featured group uh, at Augusta. I mean, he was playing terribly. He was swearing. He was in the water. I, de- I think that'll have a little bit of a negative so correlation. With what about the, the other guys there? You know, if we say, okay, we're going to play Horschel for leverage. These other guys are all going to be about as popular as each other. Um, and they're all going to be solid values, but, you know, pretty popular. Are you interested in one of them over the other? Probably the one I'm most interested in is Siwoo, because if 
Data Golf has him as a good course fit anyways. He just plays that like very volatile type like he he the Bryson style, right? Like it's just all about birdies. It's all about generating high-end results and he's going to miss, you know, more cuts than the average golfer of his skill level because he well, first of all, he's kind of wayward, but he he just goes after birdies so much. So I think Siwoo would probably be my guy there. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um I think Kevin Na was the other guy from a leverage perspective that projection liked a little bit more, but definitely a decision where you're going to, you probably don't want to match the field and everyone here. So you're probably going to want to take like a stand one way or another. Yeah. Um, all right. Some other guys here that are rating out as big values, Chris Kirk, not, not a chance. I play him at this ownership, but Grio Grio at 7.3 Brennan Todd at 7.3. And I, you know, I never ever tout, Brendan Todd, but accuracy course, short bunner. That doesn't matter if you can't poke it 320. And and Data Golf always loves Brendan Todd, just like always rates him well relative to the market. I think he probably, I think he's probably pretty strong. I was looking at one of my best teams last week in MME on FanDuel, and I realized I had Brendan Todd on it, which I don't know how that happened. Just a Brendan Todd at a bomber's course seems like a pretty poor mental decision. But, um, I think this week he's definitely in play and, you know, just scrolling through the projections, the guys that jumped out to me were the guys who were ending up popular, which um, that's a debate for, for the Slack channels, I guess. But yeah, it was, it was Chris Kirk. It was Kevin Streelman. It was Brendan Todd and Zach Johnson. Like those are the types of players that I usually target on these accuracy courses for lack of a better word. And the courses, you know, where they're solid cut makers at other courses, but perhaps they can contend on courses like this all of those guys are about 25% to top 20. So, you know, between the four of them, like one of them is likely to top 20. And um, I think there you're definitely trying to manage the overall ownership of your roster more so than just like the individual stand. Um, at least that's how I feel about the value end versus like the upper 8K tiers where you can kind of get out of that price range altogether if you want to. Yeah. Um, couple guys here with absurd ownership projections. Michael Thompson, not a chance I play him at, this ownership projection and then same for JT Poss and both of them in the double digits, just, you know, stick, stick to the rule of thumb. If under 8,000 and ownership projection is over 12%, uh, don't play them unless they're Corey Connors and they're going to make an ace. That's probably I think that's fair. Um, yeah. I am going to say some of these guys that rate for like, okay, for leverage scores, like a Carlos Ortiz, if they can't, not that he can't do it, but if they're, never gaining strokes off approach it's still gonna be hard for me to play him at the leverage like so even with the guys who are like oh you're like two percent owned and the model says they're like 16 percent to t20 that's like decent leverage i still think i'm gonna try to look for guys who are like course fits so i'm probably not gonna play some of the pivots here like carlos ortiz probably not super interested aaron wise probably not super interested like I would rather find like a, a Zach Johnson than an Aaron Wise. I think assuming both guys project within a couple percentage points of each other and are about the same as far as ownership. Like Adam Hadwin doesn't look like he's going to be overly popular this week. It seems like the type of course you play on Hadwin and his form hasn't been there quite this year, but you're talking about like him versus Kevin Streelman. There's not a huge difference between those guys and you're getting like a third of the ownership. Yeah. Uh, all right. Punt down here uh there are a bunch of interesting names honestly 
Denny McCarthy, Mick Putts. Um, you know, I guess I guess Mick Putts on a shorter course, it just takes out some of his extreme misses and makes it easier for him to get the ball within 15 feet to uh, to sink putts, I guess, uh, would kind of be the thinking there. Um, and then there are a bunch of bad course fit guys here, um, guys like Luke List, guys like Wyndham Clark, guys like Doc Redman, who are, you know, they gain all their strokes tee to green. They gain none of their strokes with um, – you know, with, with the short game, with the putter, but who I guess I'm just kind of interested in just because I like these guys in general and they are going to like, literally the, the cards are going to flip over on Thursday morning. And, and like, I'm going to click open the $33 dog leg and Wyndham Clark is going to be 0.8% owned, like things like that. I, which maybe is just a sicko for me, but like, I, I just love getting absurdly low owned dudes. That's like, that's like my PGA fetish this year is just playing like multiple guys sub 1% owned. Yeah, I think it's fine. I mean, eventually you you, you got to realize you're just playing like bad plays at a certain point, but you play so play like, the bad plays when no one else is on them. Like though. you don't want your roster to be like forty percent cumulative ownership. Otherwise, no. it's probably just terrible. But no, um, but like sixty five though. Sixty five is yeah. If you is, get like one or you want like one or two pivots in there, I think that's fine. If you start looking at like three one percent darts, you're probably being a little bit <laughs> loose with your money at that point. But I definitely yeah. agree. There are punts down here. Um, I forget which event. Maybe it was like Pebble Beach. I feel like I'm having like flashbacks of touting like half these guys that are like short knocker plays that I always find myself drawn to in this type of course. So Ryan Moore was one of them at 6,900. Ches Revy at 6,600. And um, yeah, I think those are the guys. I, I don't think I can play Jim Furyk. I feel like there's guys with more upside and if you, oh, you at, buddy, you can play Furyk. You can I, play Furyk. I know you can, but he's going to be reasonably popular. And even like the casual players, if you're looking at him on DraftKings, it looks like he's got all this upside because it bakes in his senior tour results into his player cards. So I, I think the model's kind of like Furyk, and I would just rather play Review. I think it's more upside at a third of the ownership. Yeah, I think I I am probably just gonna fish play Jim Furyk this week. I think I'll play him on my my main GPP team. Just uh, you know, because he's actually he's gonna be here in St. Louis. He's playing. He's committed to playing a senior tour event here in September. So I can't wait to follow. G- yeah, I can't wait to follow Jim Furyk around at the, the tournament the, favorite Jim Furyk. You'll be following. Yeah, exactly. It'll be cool. Uh, there are a couple other guys here who I think are playable. Former PGA Tour winner. Adam Long, I think you're right that Reavy at his projection is uh, is playable. My guy, Tom Hoagie, I mean, the disrespect that people are showing, like he's grinding out good results on tour at harder golf courses in stronger fields, and he is a noted short game wizard. I mean, he's number, he's number, he's the world number 100 right now. He's a world, why, why are we throwing this disrespect on my guy, Tom Hoagie? He, he's a legit play here. I, I, I never talk about Tom Hoagie, so there's no disrespect from me. No, yeah, no respect like, either. Not no, the, not even a meme play though. Like sometimes you just got to play guys for the memes. But I don't even think he's a, I don't even think he's a meme play. He he would be the cheapest guy I would include in an MME mix. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like fourteen percent to T twenty seems reasonable. Fifty six percent to make the cut. Um, and I think you get over the field pretty easily. It'll be like 2%, maybe less. So that yeah, seems fine. I, I don't think I'd click him in single entry three max, but you can probably do worse than that anyways. And I think in general, like 
as I'm building groups in an optimizer, you know, these guys who are like 15 to 20% to T20 probably just want like one or two of them in my lineups versus taking like a, a studs and duds approach this week, just because I think that there is pretty good mid-tier value this week. Yeah. All right. Um, let's go to betting. Super interesting week for betting. If you buy the Dustin Johnson number that data golf is putting out, because then that means guys. I, and so even though data golf doesn't have can't lay as plus EV doesn't have burger as plus EV. Um, it just, if you buy that, that win equity is really discounted relative to what the market is doing. So for example, data golf has DJ at 26 to one FanDuel has him posted at 12 to one. I think that just means you can feel pretty comfortable betting dudes you like, because that means that a huge chunk of the win equity is being miscalculated by the bookmakers. They still have it as pretty bad though, right? Like even taking all that into consideration. Yeah. So I, I thought I was going to see the same thing that you're suggesting. And I think what we're seeing is just a little bit more randomness with this event, like a little bit of that driving skill being taken away from some of the players that we view as veterans. So like, I don't know, man, you love to bet the long shots. Like it definitely feels like the type of course where you're going to see some of these guys in contention. And so it, to me, it feels like a, a course where rather than loading up on the top tier, like you bundle together some, some bad bonds with like the long shot guys. Um, yeah. Everyone and Todd 80 to one, 90 to one, where like, even if they end up over roster and DFS, like those felt like decent outright prices. Yeah. I mean, data golf has loads of honestly, like bunches of guys as plus EV um, Henley, Strillman, Todd, English, Kucher, Horschel, actually Kucher, Kucher, I could talk myself into a wager on, I think, I, I think, I think that one is um, sort of interesting. I, I don't know. I mean, do you have thoughts on is Kucher's game actually rebounding? Like, is he actually playing a little bit better? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I can pull that up for you one sec. Um, I would, I would say that not really, like we just haven't seen it. TD green. He's, it's kind of like his best performances on approach have been like middling, like barely above the field. And that's only happened twice for the most part. He's losing strokes off the tee, losing strokes on approach and, you know, gaining a little bit with the short game. I would be pretty surprised if he was to win this week. Um, and I feel like he's probably the type of guy I'd rather back in like a top 20 market right now. Um, and I think like plus 240 to T20, I'd prefer to go that route versus bet him outright. Yeah. Um, okay. Do we, do we have big thoughts on one and done? I'm like, I'm, I'm like the worst one and done player in the world. I played freaking Bryson last <laughs> week and I got, I got the ownership I wanted on Bryson. Bryson was not a popular selection in our daily roto pool. He was not a popular selection in Mayo's pool. Uh, but it, it, it doesn't matter if your dude is, is uh, grinding out T52s. So disappointing, Bryson. Yeah. Yeah. I, I rallied a little bit with Spieth and Rom back to back weeks. So I feel like I'm sniffing the cash line. So I, I can't go quite as far off the board. Um, I think in general, like strategy, we always talk about, you know, this is a smaller purse event and it's one where there's not a dominant favorite. So you, you're probably not looking to burn one of your truly top golfers, like playing DJ this week would be pretty bad because you're going to get him at, you know, a heavier favorite in some events and in bigger purses and other events. So um, Matthew Fitzpatrick was probably the first guy that jumped out to me as a potential play this week. 
Yeah, like I, I can inside the top 40 golfers in the world. I can I completely agree with you. I think that I think that Fitzpatrick looks like probably the best selection in turn like a combination of ownership. Uh, would you use him at another event? So on and so forth. Um, I, I think I'm going to use Hatton in my entries because I don't think I would use him at a major. I don't think I would use him at a WGC, but he is one of the, you know, 15 best yeah. players in the world or something I, like that. We're, we're all about the Brits, but I thought about Paul Casey as well. Like he's hitting the balls so well and you're yeah. getting random blips of short game from him. And I don't think he's going to be like overly popular. It's the type of course that Casey can definitely do well. at. He was one of the other guys. And then Cam Smith, the, the non-Brit option as far as guys on that, eager to use at other courses but i think they can contend and set up well enough for this track yeah all right uh everyone definitely make sure to check out dailyroto.com use the optimizer subscribe to the projections um i'm sorry i'm sorry that spieth didn't do it for you guys he tried he did his best um he he tried to get you guys uh, a free month of uh, data golf but we will i imagine we'll probably run some projections uh some promotions like that for some of the other majors this year. And Colin and I will be back next week.